guys, welcome back to No Context Combos with Brianna and Dakota. Awesome. We did it. We did it. Woo! We did it. We did it. We did it. Woo! We did it together. Whatever. I thought you were going to do the uh Dora 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 yeah, yeah, the yeah, Explorer. Exactly. Woo! Anyway. Copyright. Copyright. Anyway, so what are we talking about today? What's our no context convo for today? Well, if I give the context. All right, so we just jumping straight into this? Yeah, we just jump into it. Okay. Well, let's talk about book marketing. Mm -hmm. Specifically, there's this very interesting thing that happened in the book talk, book marketing world recently. And if anybody of our, like, if any of our listeners spend any time on book talk at all, you probably already know what I'm talking about. It's the mystery release Red Towers book that everybody freaked out about, bought all of, like pre-ordered out the wazoo, and then nobody even knew what it was. It was this mystery novel. All we knew was that it was a Red Towers book and that it was a book by Rebecca Yaros. So interestingly, like this is why it stood out to me the most because, you know, I have a background in digital marketing and social media management. And so the marketing world in of itself is so interesting to me, but it's become more interesting since social media has really become like the go-to marketing for like pretty much everyone. Like, we're not talking ads on the TV anymore. Like if you don't have a TikTok account and you're a name brand, people are going to be like, what the hell is going on? So it like, obviously this marketing strategy, they knew that it would spread so fast, so fast. And basically what happened is one day, and I personally don't know how this even started, like how it even got out. But apparently one day somebody noticed that there was this book that you could pre-order and it didn't have a cover, it didn't have a description, it didn't have anything except for it was a Red Towers book and you could see that the author was Rebecca Yaros. Now Rebecca Yaros, for anybody who doesn't know, she wrote this book called Fourth Wing, which with like in the last year has like blown up seriously. And her second book in this series is coming out on November 7th. So we're coming up on that second book release. And then we saw this crazy mystery release. And everybody was like, is it going to be a like a novella book that's going to happen between the two books? Because it also had the same exact release date as the second book, Iron Flame. And People are like, well, we know there's five books in the series. Is she going to do like a double drop of the book? Like, are we going to get like a, a novella or a different perspective of the first book? Like, what's going to happen? And so people unknowingly, which to me is crazy, that people like did not know what they were buying and then spent $24, depending on where they got it, if they got it on Amazon or Target, or there were a couple other places, I think Barnes and Nobles had like a pre-order also available. But basically, they sold a shit ton of copies of this book that nobody knew what it was. And 
it created this widespread like drama craziness on TikTok. And so you have people who are going out there and buying not just one also. That's the crazy thing is like I personally know somebody who went online and bought the Target version and the Amazon version because they thought maybe they're different. Yeah. And so it's absolutely insane. So anyway. Wait, the Amazon version with the same exact title? Not this like. Yes. Like it was the same description. Well, there wasn't really a description. It was just this untitled book. But anyway. Why did they expect anything to be different? They'd never. I, I didn't know. I don't know. Nobody knew what was going on. And so it created this like mass like inside secret club kind of feeling of oh i ordered the secret book before anybody knew what it was i'm gonna be the first to get this secret book that nobody knows about so i want to say like maybe a week maybe a week and a half later i could be completely wrong it could have been shorter or longer than that i like don't remember but rebecca yaros posted a video and she was like oh my god guys this is insane Nobody thought that y'all would pick up on this. We just put it up there, basically. And, like, nobody was expecting this to go crazy like this. She has an, a TikTok account? Yeah. Of course. She has a TikTok, Instagram, everything. So she posted it, and she was like, I can't believe this is crazy. Like, y'all already pre-ordered, like, thousands and thousands of copies of this book, and I haven't even, like, talked about what it is yet. And so then she came out, and she was like, so I'm going to reveal, like, what it is. And... She's like, okay, so this is a special holiday of edition of Fourth Wing. And there are going to be two additional chapters, which will be written by a different perspective than the, like, in Fourth Wing, it's mostly written from the main character Violet's perspective mm-hmm. all the way up until, I think, the last chapter. And then it switches POV. So then we're going to get two additional chapters in this additional POV. And like, I don't think it's been confirmed whose POV it is, but everyone is pretty much assuming that it's going to be the second main character. His name's Zayden. It's going to be his POV because his is the one switch we had at the end of the book. His is the one it switched to. Oh, so it'd be like a continuation of what he had. Yes, precisely. That's the working theory. So personally, I'm not crazy enough to buy a book, pre-order it without knowing what it is, especially not when it's like $25. Like if it was a $9 book, okay, sure. Like I might do it. I don't know that $25 is excessive for a special edition book of some kind. Nobody knew what it was. They didn't know it was a special edition. Why would it be hidden if it wasn't going to be special in any way? Well, I don't know, because it could just have been, like, a release. It could have been, like, one of the theories that I had was mm. that it was her third book, and she was just going to drop, release both sec- the second book and the third book at the same time. But why not announce that you can get both books? Because it's more fun if it's, like, unknown. But that's the thing. Have you learned nothing from Taylor Swift? Everything is better when things are secretive and mastermind created two and two to five years in advance. I wonder how much she comes up with on her own. Taylor Swift. I would imagine she has a team of people who yeah. like, I feel like she comes up with the ideas and then she's like, goes to her team of people and is like, how can we make this work plausibly? Because obviously what like- was that? plausibly oh plausibly yes okay i thought you were joining plausible and possibly 
plausibly. Okay. Anyway, because I feel like Taylor Swift is only one person. And there were a lot of Easter eggs. There are a lot of things. But she has spoken about her Easter eggs on, like, talk shows and stuff before. And she has said that she does come up with most of them herself. I believe she has, like, a lot of the vision, you know? Yeah, it's just, like, actually, like, how it plays out that, like, I feel like would need a little bit more, like, work. But also, you would have to work with your publicity team also. And I feel like... I don't know. It just makes sense if there was like a teams working together on this. Yeah. Anyway, I have learned that from Taylor Swift. What do I need to learn from this person? Well, this person, so Rebecca Yar, she's like, this is a crazy way to release a book, but also Has anyone so else smart. done this? You know? Surely, right? Surely they have. I just personally have not heard of somebody doing it where it like turned out this way. And that's one of the things, like, I was thinking about is, like, why did it turn out this way? And it's because of her following is a very specific following that this exact tactic would have worked on. The people who are super crazy about Fourth Wing are kind of like Swifties. They are constantly making up theories. They are constantly, like, the number of videos I see on my For You page of people with their crazy Fourth Wing theories, Mm -hmm. like... A couple are like, I saw one today where somebody was like, wouldn't it be crazy if like the reason Zayden said that, like they were professing their love or whatever. And he told Violet also, spoiler alert, if you have not read this book, you're You're ruined. (laughs) It's over. Yes. Go watch the movie. It's not not (laughs) worth even listening anymore. Go read the Cliff Notes version of it. Eventually there will. Surely. Watch a YouTube video about it. I'm sure they're out there. There's got to be a movie eventually. Netflix is going to pick it up. I feel like it might and it might not because like, oh, there's a lot of fantasy series that are very popular and have like a huge following and a huge group of people who are obsessed with them. Yeah. And they're not turned into film. Like if you look at Sarah J. Moss, like none of her books have turned into movies yet. But Netflix is all about what's hitting the, the algorithm in that second I mean, Sarah J. Moss is like the woman fantasy writer of our generation. Oh, that's a bold claim. I mean, is it though? If if I go up to any person and ask, do you read fantasy? And they're like, oh my God, yes. If I say the word, if I say the name Sarah, do you know who Sarah J. Moss is? They will for sure know who it is. If they're a fantasy reader. Because... I mean, even if I just say, have you heard of A Court of Thorn and Roses? Like, so many people have heard of that book because it's just that book. It's just that book. It's so popular. It's light. It's fantasy. It's fairies. It's smutty. Like, it's everything that our generation wants in books. Wow. Like, and she, and then Throne of Glass is a whole other thing. Like, I just finished that. But, like, it's so good. And that's what I'm saying is, like, in the same way, like, I feel like Sarah J. Moss and Rebecca Yaris are like kind of hand in hand. It's funny though, because there is this theory that That they're the same person. (laughs) No, that would be crazy. But we've also seen both of them like on camera and they are not the same people. But there's this funny theory that like in fourth wing, Mm -hmm. 
I completely forgot about what I was originally talking about also. So just disregard that. I'll probably come back to it. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> um, we should have called this missing context. <laughs> no, because no context makes a better logo. It does. It does. Well, now everybody knows. Knows what? Why it's no context because... It makes a better logo. Makes a better logo. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, so there's this theory that um, there's this couple in A Court of Thorn and Roses, that series. And yep. I should preface this by saying I have not read this series yet. I have the first book. It's the next series I'm starting. But because I am on TikTok and I'm on BookTok and all of that, I've heard a lot about it. And I've heard that there is like this first romance that happens between the two main characters well, two of the main characters, and he seems like the perfect guy, and they get together, and then he turns into the shittiest boyfriend in history, and then, like, is just absolutely terrible. Honestly, I feel like it's very reminiscent of Selena and Kale and Throne of Glass, because everybody, was, like, including me, was like, oh my god, Kale and her are so much better than Dorian and her. And now at the end, I'm like, Dorian is the best character. And honestly, I could care less about who, like, she ends up with. But, like, it would literally never be Kale. Like, no. He did horrible things and never got any kind of, like, come to Jesus moment. Never apologized, really. Like, he apologized to her, like, once. But it was like, oh, like, haha, look, remember when I was doing this? And, like, remember when I hated you? And it's like, oh, my God. That is the most non-apology apology I've ever heard in my life. So I'm like, he, he deserves to suffer for the rest of his life and be completely dependent on another person. I wonder if uh, Miss Moss hears this and is like, you're <laughs> wrong. Actually, he's the best character. No, because I feel like, I mean, she did give him a whole damn book. Yeah, see? But that's the thing, though. That's the other thing is like the Throne of Glass series. I feel like there is definitely truth in the whole like each book belongs to a different character of this in the story. Is she married? Do you Sarah know? J. Moss? Yeah. I have no idea. Maybe I was incorrect by saying Miss. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. But back to We're the so theory. We're so great about preparing. I mean, I, I don't know all the details of every single author's personal life. That seems like it would be kind of a stalkery thing to do. I don't How old is Taylor Swift? I don't care. She's turning 34 next oh, month. Oh, okay? look at there. <laughs> but do I know how many boyfriends she has had? I have no idea. Do I know? I can't believe you went there. What do you mean? Isn't that like a Well, that's the thing, thing that everybody talks about. Oh my God, she's had so many boyfriends. But like, so, like the true hardcore Swifties apparently know all of them. And I'm like, I definitely cannot name all of them. But anyway, we're straying very far from the main topic Every of this time. podcast. It's, it's the Taylor Swift syndrome. But back to the main conversation about this book. Yeah. So the correlation, people are worried that there's this correlation between Zayden and Violet's relationship. And then I think it's Tamlin and Fayer. I cannot say this girl's name. All right. Like the main characters in A Court of Thorn and Roses. And they're concerned because we've already had, we've already seen Zayden and Violet come together and literally say, I love you. And so there are people who are like, we're in the first book and we've already seen this. Like what is going to happen with this relationship? Because this book series is five books long. That's been confirmed. 
And that's why everybody's like freaking out about it. How do you know how many books it's going to be before it's written? You know, that is a great question. As a person who is writing, trying to write a book one day soon, I have my aspirational notebook next to my bed every night. I was going to say, it seems a little <laughs> dusty over there. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I could not decide how many, like, I have, like, I know that that my book is probably going to not be just one book because I feel like the story I have is going to take longer to tell. But I feel like I don't know if it's going to be two or three. And so I feel like how on earth do you, like, it has to be like, oh, she has a book deal for five books only. And she's making it last five books. Or she had, like, kind of an idea, and then they were like, let's sign for five. But then, like, that stuff happens all the time. Like, for example, like, Sarah J. Moss, like, very cryptically said, oh, like, Throne of Glass might never be over. When she hasn't released a book from that series in years, and the last book was very, like, let's wrap everything up and tie everything into a nice, neat little bow. And so it's like, do authors really know whenever their series end? Probably not, because you get new ideas all the time. Yeah, you can always be like, this is a precursor to all the books, or this is 50 years later. Or you could pull a Gilmore Girls and like do it f seven years later, and then do a rerun of it and then give it the worst ending in history to like say, and now we're continuing the cycle of the exact series you've watched this whole time, just in a different character. Gossip Girl did the same thing. Pretty Little Liars, the same thing. In the last episode of Pretty Little Liars, they end the series with this mean girl click in the high school that they were all in. Like, they're all grown up now, and there's this other mean girl clique the same way that Pretty Little Liars was. And then the same thing that happened in the very first episode of the season happens again to this new little clique. One of the girls goes missing. One of the girls walks up to the others and says, I can't find her. I think sh I heard her scream. And it's like, I really don't like that. <laughs> like, if you're going to end a series, just end the series. I'll either have to inject spoiler alert or just call it aftershock because okay. you you end carded every you end carded three shows and like okay, the past five but minutes like, if you are currently living life in 2023 and are mad at me because i spoiled the end of pretty little liars gilmore girls or gossip girl which all ended like many years ago that's on you bro that's not on which me. you were finishing it like but I already finished all those Last when they first week. came out. And that was a rewatch. Oh, you've I thought you hadn't finished pretty little. Letters. No, I have watched all the way through. I was just rewatching it. Oh. Be like somebody being like, oh my god, you spoiled Gilmore Girls for me. And it's like, bro, Gilmore Girls like ended like two years after I was born. What do you mean I spoiled it for you? <laughs> Gilmore Girls was really good for the time. It's really good for every time. No. It's the best show. I think only some episodes can be watched infinitely. I don't think the whole thing can. I do agree with that. I feel like all episodes with Dean should be cut out. Wow. Specifically older Dean. Or don't disagree. Uh, Luke? I think that all of the Luke episodes should stay except for the last ones. Then those ones should get cut because they ruined his character. Honestly, the rerun, let's just pretend it never existed. The rerun? I don't I don't 
It's like the it whole like exist. a year in a, a Gilmore Girls, a year in the life. And then they did the four long episodes, one for each season of the year, like winter, spring, fall, summer. Yeah. And they were like an hour and a half long. I don't do that. It was terrible. They don't exist. I feel like they a ruined Rory's character, which also Rory's character was always kind of terrible. But then Rory like was destined for a bad character. Yes. She was destined to be a failed adult. Oh, that's so tough. But she was. Hear that now and be like, I'm actually a successful person. Rory's not a real person. person. You know that, right? I, no, I don't like that. I pretend that all characters exist in real life. You pretend that there's a little town called Stars Hollow somewhere hidden in the United States. There we just is. Found it. There are replicas of them. There are actually a couple. No, that, that set yeah. stays around yeah, for because people to use. I know, because they, it's in a bunch of different shows. Mm-hmm. But no, there is also the town that it's based off of somewhere. I don't remember where it is. I want to say it's in Connecticut. There's a town it's based off of. And because of, like, obviously the show and, like, you know, as we go back to it, marketing. It's in every say, aspect gonna, of our lives. People have, like, you know, continued to, like, create Gilmore Girls-inspired things in the town to make money off of it. So, like, you can go get Luke's pancakes or something like that. So, but marketing, I love it. Some people hate marketing, but I think that it is so cool. And not because of, like, and when, oh, also I should preface this by saying not marketing as in clickety-clack, let me grab that analytic report for you. Marketing as in pretty color palettes and analyzing people's thoughts and feelings and conveying what you want to say and the best way that connects with the most people. That kind of marketing. I don't like analytics reports. I think they're terrible. Well, I think that they're very useful. I think that they're awful to make. But... And also kind of depressing sometimes. Like sometimes I'm like, I really don't want to look at my analytics this month. I have to do analytics in my job all the time. I feel like reporting, just like communication, communication and learning about how you've done in the past, whatever, X number of days or months are the things that make the world go round. I guess. I mean, if we don't look back, I mean, this is kind of a, everybody's like, you're not supposed to look back, but I'm like, okay, but like, can we look back? Because then I can learn what I didn't do right. That's called a retrospective, which I also do all the time. But so the marketing of this book is insane. I like how you're just like, well, I don't care about that. No, I do. I'm just trying to keep us on the one page because we're never going to like actually talk about what we're supposed to be talking about. Everyone should go read Fourth Wing because it is literally the best book I've read this year. And I've read 31 books this year so far. Hashtag not sponsored. Hashtag not sponsored. This book, I feel like it captures everything that you want to know about dragons and love and family and obnoxious mothers. And it just kind of encapsulates everything so perfectly. And honestly, Rebecca Yaris, if you're listening out there, if you could send me an advanced copy of any of your future books, I will 100% read them for you and like give my thoughts on them. Read them? She doesn't that's need you to read them. No, that's something they do. Authors will send out um, advanced copies to fans to read and then like give reviews and like Write the, like, pretty, like, yeah, basically hype up the book. Uh, 
One of my favorite TikTokers did it for an Emily Henry book, and I love Emily Henry. And she was talking about how she was like, I just got like the advanced copy of Happy Place. It was amazing, guys. And like definitely hyped it up enough to where I read all of Emily Henry, Emily Henry's books before that one came out. And then I read it. So consider me influenced. Do you know any male writers? You know, mm. I feel like J.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Tolkien, I'm sorry. Of I'm the saying it wrong. Decade. Of this decade? I feel like I just like, I don't know why, but like there's so many more women authors out there who specifically, let's also preface this by the fact that in the genres I read, mm -hmm. majority are women. Like fantasy. I want to say that not men, not many men write fantasy like the stuff that I read. And if they do, give me recommendations because I would love to read something. I would love to read something from a male's perspective written by a male because it does kind of give me the ick when it's a female author writing a book in a male's perspective. And I'm just thinking to myself, a guy would literally never say this. <laughs> Yeah, that happens so many times to me where I'm like a guy would literally in no world or other universe say this line in his head. It's just it's giving girl. Mm -hmm. I believe that. But that's the same problem. Yeah, I, I feel guarantee... like guys will be terrible at writing girls perspective. <laughs> yeah, that's why I don't like the multiple POV thing. That's why for my book, I highly doubt that there will be a multiple POV because, you know, that's how I originally tried writing it. And it was terrible because I couldn't write in the male perspective. I want, I kind of want to work with you on it. I definitely feel like you should already, like, not even just like, I'm not even going to do the POV, but like other things. Like, obviously, like, it doesn't have to be from his perspective, but obviously in the book, he still talks. Sure. And I feel like things like that, like... I think what it should be, you write the whole book from your main character's perspective. Yeah. And then version two, same storyline, mm -hmm. but it's 100% his perspective. I don't like that. Why? You get so it, much backstory. It feels cheap, though, because you're writing the same story. But you don't know. Well, I don't know if I'm spoiling your entire storyline right now, but... Don't spoil my entire storyline. It hasn't even been written yet. But I see what you're saying. It would be cool, but I feel like it's not how I want. Because that's actually... Actually, what the hell is that? They thought it might be the whole fourth wing book over again. Written in Zayden's POV. Which it kind of was. Because we've added two extra chapters with somebody's other POV. But like... And that would be cool. Yeah. Also, I did pre-order this book, guys. I did. I fell prey to pre-ordering things on Amazon. And so How I did pre-order both the limited edition of Fourth Wing and Iron Flame. Although I will say it was kind of divine timing. Because I was literally, I had just pre-ordered Iron Flame. And I was telling you about how I was sad because I was now going to have Iron Flame, like hard copy. And I wasn't going to have Fourth Wing because I listened to it on an audiobook. And then it was the next day 
that she released what it was. And I was like, oh my God, this is perfect because now not only do I get a fourth wing book copy, but I get the version that has the extra chapters in it. And the, and the like cover art is like so much cooler. It's so cool. It looks so cool. I can't wait for it. And it matches Iron Flame really well. I wonder how much they get. Surely she's not designing her own book covers. So Mm -mm. like how good of a living is there in cover art? Like, do you get paid per print? You know who we should ask? You know somebody? Somebody just had their book made into an audiobook, but he had a hard copy book before. So he must have paid somebody to do the cover art. Or wait, that's so funny. I know who he paid to do the cover art. If he kept it. I don't know if he did a different one. But we're not allowed to say names on here. You know who I'm thinking of, though. I think I know. Think graphic designer. Nope. Think Italy. Oh. (laughs) Yes. Well, that's... I'm pretty sure that that she did it. I'm pretty sure that she did the first version of it. I thought you were talking about a he. No. I'm talking about a she. Well, anyway, we'll probably cut this out. Probably. But anyway. Yeah. Let's go back to cut this out. Cut. Please do not. Oh my <laughs> gosh. I can hear you. My in-ears are in. <laughs> anyway, so we're cutting that. But back to your question. I bet you they do make a bunch of money. People who work on cover arts. I just like feel like I could never do it. It would be so cool, though, because you could read all of the books first because if you think you don't about have it, to you don't, you don't have, have to. to but you could i'm sure to like get a feel of the novel to be able to like create the perfect cover art for but it couldn't the author just be like no nah, i want here's three characters they look like this this and this and i, I mean, want to drag yeah. in and some fire blah, blah, i'm blah. sure that's what they do the majority of the time because they probably go. like you don't need any context i 100 percent, if i had that job would read the books first and then make the cover art we don't have time to read. That's what I'm saying. If it was a perfect world and I could read at like 70,000 pages a minute. Wow. That's a lot of pages. But anyway, book marketing is an interesting world. I think that the way that books are created and marketed is super interesting. And I think that this is an excellent like example of where book marketing really did. It didn't go wrong, guys. It went right. Because it worked so well. And everybody was eating it up like it was freaking catnip over here. Like, the amount of, like, people who are so excited about this book now. I mean, including me. Like, (laughs) counting the days. But until... I can't wait till I get home from work. And that Amazon package is sitting on my doorstep. (laughs) And then I'm, you won't see me. You will not see me for the next, like, at least two business days. Uh, I'll be at work in the conference rooms, um, <laughs> taking a meeting, and I'll actually be reading. Actually, I will not be doing that. I'm not going to get fired for doing that because that would be stupid. But I will be sitting there on my lunch breaks, on my in my car, reading furiously, and take it to the gym with me and stay up late reading it. Yeah. You know what you're not going to stay up late doing? doing this podcast your journal what do you mean my journal your inspirational journal over there that has dust on it i don't know what you're talking about you talked about it at the beginning of this podcast oh you mean my book inspirational journal yes 
Well, that's because I'm not ready to be writing my book yet. Why'd you start? It needs more. Well, okay, so like... You know how to get more? (sighs) Honey. By starting. (laughs) It needs more inspiration and I can't make that shit happen. It just happens. I feel like I need... I need to learn more about how to write. But that's why I've been reading so much this year because my theory was, and I've been doing this, is like I'll be listening to a book or reading a book and I will see a particular line where I will be like, oh my God, that's a perfect way to describe this feeling or this thing. And so then I open my notes app and then I put exactly what that line was and then it's description. So that when I do write my book, I have all of these like ways to say things that make perfect sense. Oh, so you have everything. It's just not in that journal. Well, I have some things. I don't have an entire book series worth, no. All you have to do is make one really shitty one. And then everyone else will look better. Oh my gosh. It's true. Everyone will be like hating on that one character. And then I know. That's such a cheap shot though. I don't want to do it like that. But it works. Also, this is digressed. Please cut all of this out. I have to cut all this out? I don't want to be talking about my book this much. Anyway. But talking about your book. Well, you keep asking me questions. I think that Fourth Wing is a really good book. And I'm very excited to see how the series plays out. But I'm more excited to see all the crazy shit that happens. With like the release and the like book party launches and like the sneak peeks that we've gotten. We've already gotten like a five minute sneak peek from like the audio books. And it sounds pretty interesting, so. I want to know, I haven't read them, so what book is this? Which book? There's five, supposedly, right? There's five, supposedly. We only have the first one, and it's called Fourth Wing. Okay, and this is the second one. The second one is called Iron Flame. That's the one that's coming out November 7th. Yeah, okay. I mean, you think it's, as far as marketing goes, because that's your whole forte, Mm -hmm. do you think it's worth a shot to do the whole thing again? What do you mean do the whole thing? number three. So just copy paste the thing that you did for marketing on number three. I feel like it could work, yes, just because TikTok's crazy enough to like kind of expect it. But I think that they would need to put a different spin on it. How would you do that? I would not post like a pre-order necessarily. I would most likely probably if I if I was a marketing person for books, I would I mean, it's just the classic book like stuff of like you post an out of context quote. What I would do cuz I'm super sleuthy. I would like use lines from my next book to answer people's comment questions about like the second book. I would use like specific phrases that I use in the third book to answer comments and just see if anybody picks up on it. But I don't know if her following is crazy enough to recognize that. If we were talking about Swifties, we would definitely. Oh, yeah, they would definitely recognize that. I think a good way to do it would be to... Just take a scene out of the third book, because that's not going to exist in the second one, mm-hmm. and put it on TikTok. Everyone else will analyze the hell out of it, make a yeah. whole cult following, and there you yeah. go. Now everyone's talking about your third book that doesn't exist yet. Yeah, that's like, I was thinking about kind of the same thing, but on the lines of like cover art, is like you post a picture oh, about yeah. cover art, and nobody knows which it's from, like, and then it's like, 
Ooh, like a like, oh, which of these is going to be the third book's cover art kind of guessing game. Better. You tell them, like, you put a one of those posts that you, like, pretend like you don't know what you're doing kind of thing and put out something like, oh, if only I could find somebody who does cover art and then everyone would be like, what do you do cover art for? Is there a third book? What is, but everybody when is that? knows there's going to be a third book well, and exactly, a fourth book. But they don't know book. when. So you put that out to like yeah, initiate that. Or you could be like, oh man, like I'm so glad that my printers got this cover in time or I was worried they'd miss their deadline. And then like put like a deadline in there. And then everybody has to decide if it's like the release deadline, the announcement deadline, the printing. That's like everybody one. has to figure out what it is. I think a cover art competition would be good. Yeah, but like with a big series like this, I'm sure that they use the same cover artist. What I'm going so they for match. that competition creates conversation. I definitely think that I like the competition idea. And like if it was like the first book of the series, I would be more like or if it was like a standalone book, I would definitely think, but with the amount of fame that this has gotten and like the number of books that are in the series so famous you mean you said fame she's very famous it's one of the most famous books in 2023 like fiction but yeah no i think that book marketing is just such an interesting like area of like thought it's like the thought that goes into everything specifically i mean just in marketing in general the amount of thought that goes into everything like it we're talking even like store displays and like I used to work in a grocery store and we would have to come up with the store displays for some of the holiday seasonal ones. And like the amount of thought that goes into like what you put where and like what's facing this way and how it's shaped is just it's so crazy because you like have to think like a buyer and you have to put yourself in like a completely different person's shoes but not just one person, like a majority of people. And you have to like recognize what's going to work and what's not going to work and what they're going to gravitate towards and what they're not going to gravitate towards. And it's like the same thing with like social media. There's this like big secret like jigsaw puzzle and you've got to like put the pieces all together in order to get it to work perfectly. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's such an intricate thing. And like, I don't think anybody technically does social media perfectly, except for Emily Kaiser. She got that shit figured out. But like, and Alex Earl too, like girl made 5 million in one year. Like, how is that even possible? Like as a college student, she was a a full-time college student and made $5 million on social media. It was insane. And it was all because she just started posting videos of acne because she was struggling with acne and people related to that. And I'm just like, that's so crazy. But that's what she was like. I mean, once she realized that people really like gravitated towards it, that they like really resonated with it. She was like, yep, that's just that was what I started posting. And I just started doing it all the time. And then it just kind of went from there. And what does she do now? That is a great question. It goes on talk shows like Forbes, apparently. That's how I figured out all of this. Okay. Yeah, so she's, like, mega rich. I think she graduated or she left college. I don't remember which one. I would have for sure left. Screw that. Well, I don't know. She's older, so I feel like she would have graduated, possibly. Is there a job that you can get coming out of college that's going to pay you a million dollars a year? No. 
let alone five. But part of her niche was going to college. So like being busy uh, in college. So that's you why could it's like fake that. Come on. But I'm she doesn't need she to. Did, but I'm saying you could fake it, yes, but like, like, why wouldn't you just go and get your degree if you were going to be using it for content anyways? You, you can't afford the degree, which is why you need the TikTok account to work, so you fake going to college, so you can go to college. My question is, speaking of like social media marketing, there is a specific TikToker girl, and she goes to Harvard, and so she posts like, oh, eat with me at Harvard for lunch. Eat my lunch at Harvard with me. Eat my breakfast with me at Harvard. What happens when this girl graduates? Like her whole niche is eating food from the food court, like, or whatever they call it, the mess hall, cafeteria, whatever, at Harvard. So what happens when she graduates? She become one of them uh, Starbucks drinky girls. Like, do you graduate to something completely different? But then at that point, it's like... Or... You have like, I mean, people, social media influencers do find really good ways to adapt like, as you said, the Starbies girl, she still does Starbies, but she's not doing Starbies all the time. Like this girl's like traveling to go to like New York Fashion Week and Paris Fashion Week and like modeling and Miami Swim Week. And she's going on brand trips and hanging out with her boyfriend and doing Anna's Guide to feeling better about yourself. Like, she doesn't do Starbies all the time, but that is 100% how she started. Yeah. Everybody knows her as the Starbies girl. And it's so funny because this is a phenomenon that I heard somebody talk about in a podcast recently, actually. Right. Was this, like, podcast was, like, they were talking about social media influencers and how they, like, always start with one thing that goes viral. And then they do that thing and they do that thing and they do that thing and they do that thing because it's the thing that works. And then they get to this point where they realize that their following will actually follow them, whatever they do. And so they begin doing other things. Emily Kaiser is a great example of this. She was known for her errands video. Come run errands with me. Let's go run some errands. Like, let's hang out in my car and use my car pack and go run some errands. And she does those pretty much I'm not going to say every day. I'm going to say probably like four or five times a week. She still posts videos like that, mm -hmm. but she posts everything about her life now. And it wasn't like that at the start, I don't think. Well, why wouldn't you? Yeah. I mean, when you're posting three times a day, you kind of have to use content from everything. But well, now she has like... her classic morning vlogs and now she started doing night vlogs too and she talks about her son trig and like everything like i remember she's you telling me about triggy triggy he's my favorite internet star best child character. internet star <laughs> best character um <laughs> <laughs> and like it's just so interesting to me the like it's so common like if you want to go if you want to blow up on social media you find one thing in your everyday life that you do multiple times already that is easy for you to do every day or like most every day. And you make content from that on that specific thing routinely over time. People, if they connect with that thing, will follow you and then they will love that thing and they will become attached to that thing and then they will be influenced by that thing. And then you can start adding in other things about your life and they will still care about those things 
And then it's like a snowball effect. And so you just got to get that one thing that for some reason talks to your audience in the way that will make them interested enough in your life to actively follow you. So social media and like book marketing go very much hand in hand. We saw this clearly because this book marketing strategy blew up specifically on TikTok. And so like social media really plays into every aspect of the marketing world now. So I think it's a very interesting thing to learn about and just like discuss with like friends and family and peers and stuff just to like hear other people's thoughts and opinions on it. My question for you, just for to me like, or the people, you. <laughs> oh, you don't care about. That. I mean, no. My question to you, so you can answer it on this podcast. What is it? My question is: Do you think that if social media were to go away right now, yeah. marketing would revert back to its old way, like or radio, newspaper, radio, newspapers, TV? Well, does TV count as media? No, social media, social media, like mm. not social media apps. Or do you think it would come up with some other? thing to do like we would we would go away from apps and things like that no and more we would Facebook figure online. out something else to make or do you think we would just revert back to doing tv commercials for our books <laughs> the fact is that everyone has a phone so everyone is easily marketable or can be marketed to it's really inefficient to go to tv not everyone has tv anymore because everyone's got hulu or netflix or doesn't didn't have either of them some people you know don't have internet and aren't listening to this podcast so it doesn't concern them anyway i guess <laughs> but um well if they didn't have internet they wouldn't also not have social media so yeah so my i guess my thing is if we didn't have social media apps anymore our phones would do what they do they did search camera, engines they camera text phone messages calls. emails would I've email got... marketing become a huge thing again? Like it's pretty big now still. Like email marketing is pretty pretty big. No. Or do you think it would like revert from social media to email? Like suddenly people are emailing you ads about the next upcoming book by Rebecca Yaros. I think it would be exactly as effective or less effective. I mean, I agree because with that. Because spam filters would get so much better. Yeah, 100% they would. I say that. You got Gmail or whatever. I'm sure they get paid to yeah, get past. Yeah, if you pay Google to like like give you a free pass into everybody's Gmail account. Yeah, yeah that's annoying. I hate that so much. I know I've clicked spam on so many fucking <laughs> businesses. Also, I don't know why. It's absolute horrendous bullshit. But Google, like, I watched it i'm stupid i <laughs> fell for it but there's like a six episode thing from google where they talk about how they protect themselves from viruses how they figured out how to protect themselves from viruses how they figured out how to create a spam filter that nobody else has and all of these like great amazing things and i go and i look at my google stuff and i'm like man you know it's not so bad and then I get some spam bullshit lows email from like jackass nowhere and it's like oh Oh my it's so obviously spam it's phishing it's so bad like the the, the email letter i love i love the horrible. like it's lowe's or home depot like yeah. why is it always lowe's or home Depot? i did not win a damn gift card 
I ain't that stupid. Come on. Same thing for like Hilton or was that Marriott? Marriott hotels. You know, you get that bullshit. And it's, it's so clearly like even the email address is so fucked up. It's it'll be just random ass fucking serial digits and letters. It makes no fucking sense. There's no damn way that Marriott hotels is sending their marketing emails from C019 X24. That doesn't fucking happen. Google, what the fuck are you doing? Gmail, get better. Get good like you claim to be. I've clicked so... spam filter on that 40 times. <laughs> So what you're saying is if we were to go back to email marketing, you would be very angry because there would be like endless spam forever. You'd never get rid of it. I would use my email just as much as I do now, minimally. Yeah, literally. I have about 100 unread emails on both my Gmail accounts and then like 200 unread on my personal like other mail account. It's because like it's just too much to keep up with. There's too many there's too many multiple subscriptions. Truly Beauty is always sending me emails about their latest bundles and like... Unsubscribe. I really should. I don't even know how I'm on their subscribing list because I've never bought anything from their website before. You probably got added on because of some disclosure thing in like Michael's. What is... Oh, Michael's is the wrong store. <laughs> it's a craft store. It's I know what you store. meant though. <laughs> what is that one? I have no idea. The one... There's Sephora and there's Ulta. No, where's... What's the one that we went to? Kohl's. Kohl's has a Sephora in it? Yes, some of them do. Yeah, that's the one. I'm sure they were like, oh. I'm sure they're like, let's oh, let's sign over. you up for that. Yeah. yeah, no. Exactly. So what you're saying is email marketing is not the answer and never will be. So no. I guess we should leave the question out in the open. What do you think would happen with marketing if we were to get rid of social media? 